Today, I am here with Morgan Klaus Schurman, a PhD student in information science, uh, who was recently awarded Microsoft 2021 Research Fellowship. He studies discrimination in facial analysis software, and we're here today to talk a little bit about his research. Thank you for joining us today, Morgan. Yeah, thank you for having me. So what originally inspired you to focus on facial analysis software in your work? Um, I guess it's kind of a long-winded story. I, I, um, so when I first started doing research, I wasn't necessarily uh, focused on computer vision in any way. Um, as a master's student, I just kind of apprenticed with a PhD student at the time who um, was doing a study on on facial analysis software for people who are blind. And so I just kind of got interested in these intersections of different types of identity with computer vision software. And with that research, with um, it affecting um, blind users, uh, what did that research look like? Yeah, it was kind of just um, an interview study on what people who are blind kind of interacting with the world would want to know about other people. Um, and so there were generally uh, the focus was kind of issues of, you know, interpersonal safety, what kind of information might you want to know about another person that could help you suss out whether they are, you know, dangerous to you, like on the street, those kinds of things. And so, you know, people had some had some interesting perceptions about things like gender and other, you know, um, presentations of self. And so I just, I got interested in, in what would the, what would other kind of minority groups think about, you know, being read by someone else's technology. And so there are some interesting tensions, I guess, sometimes between different uh, minoritized groups and what they want their technology to be doing. Um, so with your research, it's shown that facial recognition has faltered, um, especially when it comes to gender. Um, so what has that looked like in your research? Yeah, so primarily I, I analyze kind of, I guess you would say the discourse of these systems, the, the categorical representations of people in these systems. And so generally, you know, these systems rely on a very bin binary and also kind of stereotypical view of gender. And so I've mostly focused on that. So it's not necessarily a a lot of a lot of bias work is is kind of focused on you know how well represented or how well classified are binary genders of men and women. So you know are women being classified as correctly as men? But I'm more focused on you know what what does it say about how we design technologies when we're designing them to recognize certain groups of people and not other groups of people, and how we're conceptualizing you know what those groups even look like. Uh, who who is represented in the data and what do they kind of reflect about our society? So I guess my 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 perspective is very much kind of a representational, you know, discourse driven, social implications kind of perspective on bias. And you mentioned some of the social implications that um, can be present in this technology. Um, what have some of those implications looked like? Yeah, I think it really also depends on on the the technology use because there are a bunch of domains where facial analysis can be used. Um, so it can be everything from, I guess, you know, stereoty stereotypical bias in advertising for specific genders to also some some interesting implications for um, 
when it comes to advertising, there there are there's been recently kind of some news that you know Google allows its advertisers to opt out of advertising to people who select or do not I do not wish to be identified with a gender, and so there's kind of this opportunity cost for some some use cases, and then there are of course also implications for more recognition-based systems and how they're being used by the state or by police um, or by governments that that have really specific perspectives on certain groups of people. Um, so things like how China is using facial analysis. Um, so there, there's kind of a wide range of social implications um, from, you know, stereotyping to uh, targeting certain groups of people or potentially even if it even if they're not targeted directly resulting in you know opportunity costs or um honestly with with policing scenarios it could be you know everything from from jail time to life or death situations you could find yourself in so these technologies are kind of me mediating these uh interactions and I understand that there was recent that um, in the CU Boulder Today article about you and your work, it was mentioned that um, I believe it was in uh, Detroit, uh, there was a misidentification of a man which led to him being arrested. Yes, um, that was uh, a black man who was wrongfully arrested because, you know, the facial recognition system had identified him as a person that he was not identified him as a suspect, even though he was not that suspect. And so that's always that, that's always a risk with these systems. And it's an increased risk for minority groups because the generally um, more diverse and more robust data of you know, non-minority groups is used depending on you know, the country and the culture where these systems are trained in. And I understand that uh, one of the issues with these systems is sometimes um, as a result of the training data um, lacking diversity or with cultural biases in those who are working with these systems and classifying some of this data. So wh what else would you say has caused these issues or how, um, how do these uh, training data sets or the programmers using them um, kind of play into the issues around these uh, analysis systems? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, <laughs> there's a lot of issues when it comes to data. Um, so of course there's, you know, who who's who is curating the data set and like what is, I guess everything from kind of unintended biases that you just don't necessarily know that you should include a group or you don't know how to even even do that or to think about that. And so there's kind of this, you know, maybe it's an epistemological or or their social group that has made them unaware or their lack of training in this area as, you know. In their discipline that has made them unaware. So that's that's one possibility. Um, and then there is another that is kind of the 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 whole slate of issues around even getting data in the first place. So it's it's expensive. It's it's time time consuming. It's there are a lot of ethical constraints over you know should should you require explicit consent from your subjects? Should you be paying your subjects? There's kind of these issues happening around data right now. Um, and so it, it's, it's rather opaque when it comes to companies, you know, what, how are companies um, curating data sets or are they using other data sets that are publicly available that aren't, you know, 
proprietary. Um, but even building a data set of diverse people is going to be extremely difficult depending on the uh, stance you take or approach you take. So if you, especially if you want consenting subjects. Um, so there's kind of that issue too, where even if someone was like, I want to create a very diverse and ethically sourced data set, it, it might actually wind up not being robust enough for a system to be reliable in any way. So with your work, what does your research process look like? I understand that um, for one study, uh, part of it used images sourced from Instagram and then another um, used a system analysis of 10 commercial facial analysis and image labeling services. And then uh, you also had that other uh, that set of Instagram photos, which you used to evaluate five services using that kind of custom data set you have gathered. Yeah. Um, so in general, I, I mean, I think my methods for doing this really depend on the thing that I want to research. Um, in, the, in that particular case, it was, you know, a research study that was auditing classification uh, rates of different genders just to see, you know, we, we have numerous studies on the comparison of men and women, but it was really to see what, how are, how are trans men and trans women classified by these systems? And obviously, you know, non-binary people can't be because there are no systems that, that do that. And um, I mean, I could go on a whole rant on, on, on how that would actually make the whole purpose of gender classification kind of a pointless task technologically anyway. Um, so, so yeah, uh, there, and we talk a, a lot in that paper about the ethics of even scraping images from Instagram to do this kind of, you know, study on, I guess, I guess you could call it fairness, representational fairness in systems. Um, but that kind of study requires a data set of, you know, people of different genders to test. Uh, so yeah, definitely would encourage, I guess, people to, who are interested in the ethical considerations of scraping data for that kind of study to like read our justifications. So we mentioned a little bit of some of the consequences that these biases uh, present in these systems can be. Is there anything else you've seen in this data um, that you feel like can kind of result in some unintended consequences? Um, or is there anything else you feel that you found that kind of is uh, a result of this larger issue? I mean, I can say, I, I, if you're, are you talking about the Instagram data specifically or just broadly kind of data used in these systems? Yeah, more of a broadly perspective. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, no, totally fine. Um, I mean, broadly, the systems are made to recognize patterns, right? So in terms of gender classification, that is what they're basically designed to do. And so generally there is a lack of kind of representation diversity in most data sets. I've done a recent study um, that I've done that's not published yet was looking more at, you know, broadly at computer vision data sets. And so you could say that there's generally a lack of racial diversity that's, that's kind of been researched by others. Um, and so that has implications for like, you know, what does, what does a man look like if you only have you know, white men or, or East Asian men in your data set. And then like I was saying, the, the presentation diversity. So you don't, you don't really get like a lot of men 
for example, um, with long hair in these data sets, right? You definitely don't get men who are like wearing makeup or accessories and things like that. So if we're talking about pattern, you know, basically a gender in, in this case equals a pattern of presentation across a series of images. And so they're really, these systems are really learning a pretty narrow pattern of what that looks like. What do you believe can be done to help improve uh, the data that these facial analysis systems are using? Um, you've mentioned a little bit about how the systems kind of work off that pattern um, and how having you know only uh, certain presentations can, uh, such as having only white men, having only say East Asian men can uh, cause issues with these systems. Uh, do you believe that there is a solution that can be used for these systems to help kind of um, deal with those biases and with those data sets? Um, I mean, I guess it would depend on the, the stance you take for the, the task itself. So I think if you take a very binary gender task, you could do a lot to improve, you know, the representation of different kinds of men and women. Um, but that's, I think that's, that's not necessarily something that I, I guess it depends, like I was saying, it depends on the task. In, in general, I don't know if that's something that I would agree with, but there are some some interesting use cases that could be considered that maybe aren't are are very narrow. So so for example, how can we measure the diversity of like women on screen or something that could be an interesting and beneficial to society use case? But but things like marketing, um, I just I don't I don't know if it's something I would advocate using visual vision based classification for something like that. Um, and so. That's all. That becomes to me a problem that you can no longer address by improving the diversity of data. I see. I see. Um, so I also understand that you work with Jeb Brubaker in the Identity Lab with the Information Science Department. What does your work there um, look like? Uh, what have you been working on recently there? Yeah. So I mean, um, a lot of this work is is something that are things that I've done when I'm there while I'm there. Um, some some more recent work that I've been working on, it's it's so I actually feel like I haven't done anything new in the lab in quite some time. Um, I I have been working with Jed on kind of this this very very different study about in interactions with the memory algorithm on Facebook and and whether you know how to improve those when people have really poor interactions or upsetting upsetting memories come up and that's that's kind of a very different space than the things we've been talking about um and then and then i i kind of just finished a project with my work on the google ethical ai team broadly analyzing kind of the the values that are embedded into computer vision data sets um so like disciplinary values uh what is what is being communicated as valuable contributions in this space um so that's kind of like a more meta analysis than I've done in, in my previous work. I guess I guess I, I've done a broad, broad swath of work, but my main focus has been kind of, you know, what does harm look like for a technological system? What how can we assess when a system is harmful and how can we improve on those harms? With that, what has that harm looked like? Um, what have you found that uh, has been considered harmful with these systems? We've described a little bit about the, um, for example, the case in Detroit where a man was falsely arrested. Um, and we've mentioned a little bit about how advertisers um, opting out of advertising to certain groups. Um, what other harms have you found with some of these systems? 
Um, I think the most kind of egregious example that, you know, I return to, I think a lot of people in the space return to is just, you know, China's classification of ethnic minorities with these systems. And you can actually look in the IEEE proceedings, um, which is like the, you know, proceedings of research papers published in, you know, the largest, the world's largest kind of like engineering venue. Um, and there, there are papers that, before New York Times wrote about what's been happening with Muslim minorities in China, there, there's a paper on how to visually classify uh, Uyghurs using computer vision. And so you can kind of trace this, this pro very problematic issue from research to implementation. And, and that to me is kind of the most egregious example you can think of of a government utilizing artificial intelligence to purposefully target minority groups. And yeah, um, you could see how that could expand to other groups potentially in other countries that, that disagree with certain you know, races or certain genders or certain sexualities or whatever. All right, Morgan. Um, so that comes to the end of my questions I have, but just, um... Just while we have this time, is there anything else you'd like to say to our audience? Is there anything else you'd like to uh, bring up as, or is there anything you'd like to just um, leave as a last note? Yeah, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess in general, my perspective is to think kind of beyond accuracy about some of these systems into societal implications. I think this is something people are doing more, at least in you know the information and HCI space. Um, and so any kind of, I guess, I guess my message is just like, you know, anyone who's working on these technologies or in this space to think a little bit beyond kind of the technical limitations and more into the social limitations of these things. And I understand uh, from the CU Boulder Today article on your work that um, you want to bring uh, some new mindset into the field. Just to wrap us up, what do you want to bring in terms of that mindset, um, what do you want that to be? Um, I mean, I, I guess I think a diversity of perspectives or a diversity of backgrounds. Um, you know, I think I think this space has become saturated with a really specific kind of training, kind of academic background, or you know, it's very CS and engineering focus, but actually people from a number of fields can bring really valuable insight into things that people who are trained in CS might otherwise miss or not think about. And so that is, is really important to me is to have you know, more researchers or more teams that are interdisciplinary and, and can work together on a problem instead of just engineering a solution. I see. All right. um, Morgan, thank you for coming and joining us today. We really appreciate your uh, time and uh, taking a little time to talk with us. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me.